Are you sometimes shocked by the things that come out of your child's mouth? Are you embarrassed by the way your child talks to you in front of others? Do you dread going out in public with your kids because their words are so unpredictable? Or maybe because they are predictable? (laughs) Well, then we're glad you're joining us for today's episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for updates so you'll always know about new podcast episodes. You'll also receive a free gift from Ginger when you sign up. Stay tuned through the end of today's episode because we have an exciting announcement about our summer plans for our podcast. But before we get started on taming your child's tongue, here is a quick word from our sponsor. I read something online recently that really pricked my heart. It said, the church should handle adoption and caring for the fatherless like we handle the Great Commission. While not everyone is called to adopt, everyone does play a role in caring for the fatherless. Friends, this is why Ginger and I are thrilled to share more about our sponsor, Lifeline Children's Services. Lifeline believes that adoption is one way that God provides families for vulnerable children who need to know the love of Christ and the love of a family. They walk with foster and adoptive families and provide them with parent coaching, educational services, and professional counseling so they can better nurture and disciple their children. Whether you're a foster or adoptive family who could use support services, or if, like my family, you want to support those who have opened their homes to these precious children, you can find out more at lifelinechild.org. Again, that's lifelinechild.org. Lifeline brings gospel hope to vulnerable children. Well, hey, Ginger, I know this is an important topic for you because, well, I mean, you wrote a book about it. Uh, The whole premise of your book, I can't believe you just said that, is to offer biblical wisdom to help parents tame the tongues of their children. Um, Actually, I have a funny story. When I pulled out my copy of I Can't Believe You Just Said That, I realized you had actually signed it. So you probably did that three or four years ago. Mm, At least. Yeah, yeah, so that's fun. Uh, Also... Ginger, I think it's important that we tell our listeners who um, might not have followed us on Instagram about how I got to sign one of your books at the Kansas Home Educators <laughs> Convention. Did you tell yeah. that story? We had some really sweet moms who've been listening to our podcast come to the convention in Kansas to meet Katie and me, and they were just so sweet about talking about the podcast and and it just really blessed our hearts with the things they had to say about how it's encouraged them. And uh, first, let me just say that people used to come to see me, but now that <laughs> we've started this podcast, the first thing people say when they come up to me at events is, is Katie with you? <laughs> it's sort of become a running joke with us. I actually love Katie, though, that our listeners love you as much as I do. Mm. But I will say that when those moms wanted you to sign one of those books, I heard the voice of Captain Jack Sparrow in my head. They'll be no living with her now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying, Ginger, I went from getting my own copy signed to being a co-author in a very short period of time. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you did. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I, you know, I can only imagine all the work that goes into writing a book. So Mm -hmm. I won't claim to have any hand in that. Um, But Ginger, what makes this topic of taming our kids' tongues so important that you decided to write an entire book about it? 
Well, I view the tongue as a really important topic because God views it as an important topic. He actually has a lot to say about it in the Bible. Probably the most discouraging verse being James chapter 3, verse 8, which says, No human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Though I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but you know that's really not good news at all. No, it's God, not. God says that the tongue is evil and deadly and that we can't tame it. So I'm sort of going to do a bait and switch here as far as the title of this episode, because technically taming our tongues or taming the tongues of our children is actually not something that we can do in our own strength. Mm. But the good news is that Philippians 4.13 says that we can do it through God's strength. That verse says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And God tells us in 2 Corinthians 12.9, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. So in our weakness, we cannot tame our tongues and we cannot tame the tongues of our children, but God is our help. God is our strength and God is our portion. He is enough. And when we seek Him in our weaknesses, He rescues us from ourselves. He rescues us from our own sins, and He certainly has the power to tame our tongues. So I wanted to write a book about the hope that we have for taming our tongues and taming the tongues of our children because there's power in prayer, there's power in the blood, and there's power in the Word of God. Okay, so that's the only reason? Just just that simple, <laughs> just that simple reason? <laughs> Okay, well, you've already said enough in just this intro to make my wheels start turning. And to be perfectly honest with you, I either I either haven't heard James 3.8 or I haven't heard it in a while, but it's shocking to hear about a part of us that is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. I don't remember that verbiage. Um, that's just sobering. Yeah, it really is sobering. So because God has so much to say about the tongue, that's the main reason I wrote a book about it. But there is a second reason. As a national speaker, I've listened to parents all over the country express their heartache over their inability to tame the tongues of their children. They've read the books about it. They've tried the advice, but they've remained frustrated because nothing seemed to work. And that's because so many of those books are based on faulty child training methods that fail to reach the heart. So, and I can't believe you just said that, I expose those faulty methods that focus on behavioral change only. And I help parents understand the heart problem behind verbal offenses. I equip parents with biblical principles. And then here's what I hear parents saying is the most helpful part of the book. I provide them with lots of illustrations and examples for implementing those principles in a practical way. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some really great Christian parenting books out there that focus on what the Bible says about child training. And some of them are full of scripture that are really helpful in parenting. But what I found was the problem with those is that few offer the information that parents need most, which is how to practically apply those scriptures to the tongue-related struggles their children are facing in just in everyday life. So my goal with, I can't believe you just said that, is to help parents move past the frustrations of not knowing how to handle verbal offenses, um, like whining and lying and tattling and disrespecting and, and so many more. It was, it was pretty much every tongue-related offense I could think of. Mm-hmm. And then uh, to help parents move into a confident and heart-oriented approach to raising their kids. Okay, don't ask me how, but I found myself down this Instagram rabbit hole the other day. I know 
Uh oh. Not many of us do that, do we? Uh, and there was this one account that was nothing but videos that parents had submitted of their children screaming obscenities at them mm. and acting like little tyrants. And the truly shocking part is not that these kids acted like sinners, uh, because that's expected, but it's that these parents thought it was hilarious enough to submit it to this Instagram account for the whole world to see. Mm, mm, mm. Now, don't get me wrong. We've all had moments like this with our kids, but I can't understand why we now consider this entertainment. Although, if I'm being honest with you, it, it did make me feel a little bit better about some of my parenting choices. <laughs> but that's pride on my part, honestly. And another sin will address another day. Um, Ginger, how do you think we have reached this point in our parenting where the tail is wagging the dog, so to speak? <laughs> I know. It seems that we're not just seeing an acceptance of sin these days. We're, we're actually seeing a celebration of it. That's it. You know, sin is it's just not something that we should be accepting of or something that we should make light of or something that we should find entertaining. Mm. Sin is not funny. The things that God sent His Son to die for are are not a laughing matter. Katie, you know as well as I do, and I'm sure those of you listening would agree by what we're witnessing these days, that we live in a nation that pretty much defies God at every point, including child training. And, you know, I don't think it's a matter of parents not wanting obedience and respect from their children. I think it's fairly safe to say that most, if not all, parents desire to raise obedient, respectful kids, but many parents fail to achieve those results. And I believe that reason is twofold. The first problem is that many parents, in an attempt to get their children to obey and show verbal respect, focus only on the outward act of those verbal offenses. They're convinced that if they're raising obedient kids who always speak with self-control and respect, that they're being successful in their parenting. But there is so much more to parenting than just getting our children to outwardly comply comply. Outward compliance doesn't bring about a change of heart. Yes, we want our children to act right and to speak with self-control and respect, but we want them to do it for the right reasons. We want them to be motivated by a love of virtue, not a fear of punishment. We want them to obey and speak respectfully, not because it pleases us, but because it pleases God. Mm -hmm. It's not about outward compliance. It's about understanding that the sins of the tongue stem from the sins of the heart and that Jesus is the only cure for those sins. Jesus is our only hope for redemption and change. So failure to reach their hearts is one problem. And then the second problem is that parents are, well, they're looking to sources other than the wisdom of God's Word to address these issues. Worldly counsel is not wise counsel. The family was God's idea. He brought it into being. So no one has a better understanding of how it operates best than God. And thankfully, He didn't leave us hanging without instructions for how it operates best. He gave us His holy instruction manual, the Bible. And He tells us that when we lack wisdom, we can come to Him in prayer. And He promises that He'll give us wisdom when we ask for it. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Mm. You know, Ginger, it's funny. Actually, it's not funny. It's more like sad. How often... I have a parenting issue and I search the internet, I find a book, call a friend to help me figure it out, but it isn't always my first instinct to reach for God's word and to pray and humbly seek his will for my family. Too often I want to try to fix it myself, which is laughable, actually. <laughs> well, I'd say, Katie, most all of us, including me, have an ongoing struggle with wanting to believe that we're wise in our own eyes, mm -hmm. that we can solve everything if we just think it through and research enough and just find that right article or that right book. But 
There is no greater source for parenting than the Bible. The Bible is the best book there is on raising kids. Now, sure, you know, it's fine for us to be encouraged by one another, and we can certainly glean wisdom from some of the parenting books that are out there, but we need to be really careful to make sure that the counsel the authors are offering in those books are being supported by wisdom from God's Word. That's exactly right. Yeah, being grounded in God's Word. Right. And that's what first drew me to your books, Ginger, that they're just saturated with God's Word. Mm. So you write in your book that um, asking the question, why do you act like that? It's the wrong question to ask our kids when they're misbehaving or talking disrespectfully. What do you mean by that? Well, first, let me just say that I don't know about you, Katie, but before I had kids, I remember seeing other people's kids <laughs> whining and arguing and disrespecting and throwing temper tantrums and thinking to myself, you know, when I have kids, they are not going to act like that. <laughs> <laughs> I pictured these well-behaved little angels that gladly obeyed and always spoke respectfully. I was an amazing mom before I had kids. That is the <laughs> yeah. truth. Yes, I'm here. <laughs> I had it all figured out. Mm-hmm. That's right. Until I had two kids. You know, we're all high and mighty and how we think it's going to be. But then when we actually have those kids, that's when what the real sanctifying process begins, right? Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, so like you before I had kids, you know, I was just so determined to have those well-behaved little angels that gladly <laughs> obeyed and always spoke respectfully that, Katie, I read every single parenting book I could get my hands on. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, as avidly as I read all those what to expect when you're expecting books before my before I was even pregnant, I was reading all the how to raise them now that you got them books before <laughs> my kids could even crawl. I just thought that if I could just get ahead of the game and be prepared, all would be well. <laughs> But nothing could have prepared me for the harsh reality that, like their parents before them, all kids are sinners and will manifest sinful behavior. You know, no matter what we do or say or how diligent or consistent we are in training our kids, the simple truth is that we never know what's going to come out of their mouths. (laughs) They'll say something absolutely precious, like, I love you, and you're the best mommy in the world in one breath. But then because they are sinners, they'll turn around and say something absolutely terrible in the next. (laughs) But like many moms when mine were little, I was often shocked by some of the things that would come out of their mouths, whether it was whining or lying or talking back or, or whatever. I would typically ask that question that so many moms ask, why do you act like that? But after a closer look at the Word of God, Katie, I began to realize I was asking the wrong question. Mm-hmm. In Matthew 12, 34, Jesus explained, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. In other words, there's merit to that old saying, what's down in the well comes up in the bucket. Mm-hmm. Our sin does not begin with our mouths. It begins with our hearts. The sin that shows up in our words It comes from inside us, and it starts a whole lot sooner than we might think. King David proclaimed, surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. You know, when parents truly grasp the origin of sin and and just the total depravity of the human race in general, we no longer question why our children sin. You know, this is really hard for some people to believe, um, especially those parents whose children are still infants and haven't yet figured out how they really want to express that sinful nature of theirs. Uh, I remember reading the book called Parenting by the Book by John Rosemond, and uh, he actually refers to children as little criminals. And I, <laughs> he gets a lot of flack for it. Uh, sure. But there is biblical truth in that. So mm. 
Psalm 51.5 says we are sinful at birth. So we're all little criminals at heart. Mm -hmm. I just think we get better at hiding it the older we get. Well, uh, some of us do, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Little criminals. Yeah, that's really true. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you think about it. So in light of the fact that my kids are sinners, just like me, I slowly learn to stop asking, why does my child sin? And instead, I begin to ask myself, when my child sins, how might I point him to the fact that he is a sinner, just like I am, in need of a Savior? How might I help him understand and live in the transformational power of Christ? Those are great questions. And I bet the answer to those isn't to give them a guilt trip or shame them until they repent. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I think for some of us, the moment we become mothers, we also become travel agents for guilt trips. That's another t-shirt idea, write that down. (laughs) Yeah, I have a running list now. (laughs) I I actually can't take credit for that. My mom had an embroidered pillow that said, my mom is a travel agent for guilt trips. (laughs) And you know, I don't, I don't know why she has it or had it. Um, I hope I didn't give it to her for Mother's Day or something. (laughs) Surely not. That's probably still better than giving her onion goggles, though, I think. (laughs) (laughs) You are never going to let me live that one down. I know. Listeners, if y'all don't know about the onion goggles, I don't even know what episode to refer you to, but we talked about it in one of our quick tips. Ginger thinks that's the greatest. It might might be better if you don't listen to that one. (laughs) (laughs) I'll never let go of the onion goggles. (laughs) I know. I don't know if you and your family have jumped on the monthly membership bandwagon, but my family really has. There are several that we get super excited about, but one of my kids' absolute favorites is called Dwell. Dwell is a monthly membership of scripture designs to help you and your family memorize one Bible verse every month. So we have what's called the Family and Friends membership, and it includes a four by five and a half print of the scripture verse, two key cards with the verse, and this is my favorite part, nine temporary tattoos. The designs are just beautiful, and I think this is a perfect Christmas or a birthday gift that doesn't include just more plastic stuff laying around the house. Actually, I have a funny story about my dwell tattoo. I was having dinner with my parents one night, and I had one on my wrist because we were learning John 8.36. Well, my dad saw it and asked if I had a new tattoo on my arm, and I was like, yeah, Dad, I've had this for almost 10 years. (laughs) And he said, well, I never noticed that before. And then I had to confess that I lied to my dad about a fake scripture tattoo. So, you know, don't be like me. To learn more about this wonderful way to help you and your family hide God's word in your heart, go to dwelldifferently.com and use the code GINGER10 to get 10% off your order. Again, that's dwelldifferently.com and use the code GINGER10. One of our most hilarious church moments happened before COVID, you know, back when we were allowed to sit next to people. Well, my son had brought his favorite Lightning McQueen car with him that particular Sunday. We were sitting in the middle of our very large church, so literally thousands of people, when suddenly lightning hit the floor and he rolled and he rolled and he rolled all the way to the front of the church. And then some amazing person at the front, probably a dad, just picked up the car and without even looking back, he just passed it over his shoulder to the row behind him. And that person passed it back and back all the way until lightning was returned and my face was pretty much as red as that car. That story is one of the main reasons I'm so excited to share more about our sponsor, Not Consumed. Not Consumed is a family-owned ministry with dozens of products to help you and your family grow in faith. Their Bible studies for kids and families are amazing and so helpful. I love the one entitled My Brother's Keeper, but my favorite product is the Sermon Notebook. I just love that this is a way for our kids, as young as four years old even, to stay engaged with the sermon rather than distracting the entire church. 
To find out more about Not Consumed Ministries' incredible catalog of products and to download their free family Bible study, just visit notconsumed.com slash ginger. Again, that's notconsumed.com slash ginger. All right, Ginger, each chapter in your book addresses a different verbal offense, such as lying, tattling, whining, interrupting, yelling, complaining, manipulating, and about eight more. Ginger, this is actually funny. When I was reading through your chapter titles, I saw manipulating, but I thought it said mansplaining. And so, I mean, that cracked me up. I just, anyway, that that's not one we need to address on the show. Uh, anyway, <laughs> one thing I really like is that you open every chapter with a very common, relatable scenario in accordance with this specific verbal offense. Then you have examples of how the conversations between the parent and the child might play out. And then you offer a very simple three-step plan for dealing with each one. Now, I know you've talked about this plan before, but just tell us how it works with specific tongue-related struggles. Okay. Well, step one is heart probing questions. And like you said, Katie, I actually explained this in episode four, which was on how to reach the heart of your child. But, you know, I think it bears repeating here. Um, because if, you know, if you think about it in all the stories in scriptures, when someone did something wrong, Jesus didn't wave his finger in their faces and tell them what they did wrong and say, this is what you did. And this is what you should have done instead. That's not what he did. Instead, he often used heart-probing questions. And in order for the people to answer those questions, they had to evaluate themselves because Jesus knew how to ask those questions in such a way that the people would have to take their focus off of the circumstances and the situations going on around them and onto the sin in their own hearts. So, for each verbal offense in my book, I offer two or three very simple questions just to help parents reach past that outward behavior and really pull out what is going on in the heart. Then in Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, we're instructed to put off our old self and put on our new self. So it's wise for us to follow that same pattern that God sets by encouraging our children, not just to put off specific verbal offenses and verbal sins, but the why and the how of what to put on, which is righteousness. So for example, when our kids complain, we want to help them understand why complaining is wrong, why they need to put that off, and how they can please God by putting on an attitude of thankfulness. When they lie, we want to help them understand why lying is wrong and how they can please God by being truthful. And when they whine, we want to help them understand why whining is wrong and how they can please God by speaking with self-control. It's all about teaching them to put off sinfulness and to put on righteousness. It's so easy to stop our parenting after telling our kids what not to do. Mm -hmm. We say, you know, stop complaining, stop whining, stop lying. And when they don't stop those things, we just administer some sort of consequence and then we leave it at that. But it's equally important, if not more important, that we teach them how to replace what is wrong with what is right, because that's what training them in righteousness is all about. That is so good, Ginger. So just to review for our listeners, step one is to address the sin of the heart that was just expressed through the verbal offense. Step two is the is to teach our children what to put off. And step three is to teach them what to put on. And in the midst of this, uh, I guess we could call it a, a biblical model for training them, we also want to help them understand that they're not always going to get it right. None of us do. They're going to blow it sometimes, but they can always turn to Jesus for forgiveness and help. Okay, so after going through these three steps with our kids, um, how can parents get their children to actually implement what's being taught? 
by requiring them to actually practice the biblical alternative to that wrong behavior. Mm. It's never enough to just verbally instruct our children in what not to do. We have to instruct them in what to do. We have to teach them how to replace wrong behavior with right behavior. And then most important, and this is what you're asking here, Katie, we have to require them to actually go back and do it. Mm. When we require our children to physically practice the biblical alternative to their sinful behavior, we're actually teaching them how to apply God's Word to daily life. Okay, so let's do that. Let's apply this to a real-life situation. Okay. So let's say we're at Disney World, which, by the way, is a place I'll never go again. It is not the happiest place on earth. That is false advertising. (laughs) Uh, Well, it wasn't for us because I was nursing a baby monster, and I had a three- and a five-year-old in tow who had no interest in standing in line for two hours to meet a teenager dressed up like Cinderella. It's just not our thing. I'm sorry. I know that greatly offends some of you. Ginger, I have a friend. Her name's Blair, and she says it hurts her heart that I would speak this way about Disney World. (laughs) Alex would feel the same way. Big Disney fan. Well, she and her husband took all eight of their kids to Disney recently, but her husband got sick and stayed in the hotel room with the baby while she took the rest of them to the park and she Ooh. still enjoyed it. Oh. I know. Mm. I would have rather have been Mm-mm. sick in the hotel room with the baby than go <laughs> yes, with some kids. Right. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's say we're at Disney World and all the joy has worn off while we're waiting in line to see Cinderella. <laughs> And then the complaining begins. You know, my feet hurt. He's touching me. I'm thirsty. Why do I have to wear a mask? And that's just the parents, Ginger. So um, (laughs) how how do we address that specific tongue-related issue, complaining, while we're standing in line with a bunch of strangers Mm. who are watching this whole thing go down? And I ask it that way because it can be really intimidating to address our kids' sinful behaviors when others are watching us. Mm, True, it can be. But God also uses us responding calmly and gently with biblical wisdom to our kids to do a work in the hearts of those people who are watching and listening. Mm. Uh, That's called being a light to the world. It's a Jesus in us kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So when our children are complaining, we might start with just a couple of very simple heart-probing questions like, sweetie, is your attitude right now showing thankfulness and contentment? Honey, rather than complaining, what can you be thankful for in this situation? You see, questions like this help them to think like a Christian. They help them to look at at things from a God-honoring perspective instead of a self-serving perspective. And then for what to put off, we could say, uh, honey, in Philippians 2.14, God tells us to do everything without complaining and arguing. And then for what to put on, we could point them to 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, which tells us that God's will is for us to be thankful and joyful in all circumstances. So in helping them refocus their attention from whatever it is they're complaining about to something specifically that they can be thankful for, that's teaching them to practice that biblical alternative, which is teaching them how to grow in wisdom. I want to say something here, Ginger. Sorry. Can you imagine, like, I'm just trying to imagine that scenario if I'm at Disney World and I witness a parent teach and instruct their kids in this patient way. And so I know exactly what you're saying, how that would just shock the world <laughs> to see parenting yeah. like that because it's so countercultural. And motivate them. It mm-hmm. also shows them that the wisdom from God's Word is loving and mm-hmm. gentle and kind. And so, yes, it's definitely showing the world what the Bible and what... 
um, God is all about. Absolutely. And so, yeah, it's a great opportunity. And, you know, as far as them complaining and, and wanting them to be thankful for something, there is always, always something to be thankful for. Mm. I heard about a family sitting around the table on Thanksgiving Day, and they had always made it a habit, which I love this tradition. I've heard of a lot of families do this. But they had this tradition where they go around the table and they have each person name one thing that they've been thankful for that year. And um, But this particular family, they had had so many trials that year, and they, they were really struggling with coming up with something to say. It's probably the COVID year. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> but, you know, we all, we all have something to be thankful for, even with that. You know, Katie, our podcast. We That's wouldn't have started exactly this podcast right. had it not been for COVID. So thank you, Jesus, that we Absolutely. can be thankful for, for that. Um, but anyway, so this particular family, they had uh, really had a lot of trials, a lot of things go on. And so they were struggling with coming up with something to say. And so the husband, you know, he's trying to be the leader. So he spoke up first and thought and thought and thought. And then he said, well, I mean, you know, this has really been like the worst financial year we've ever had. We can't even pay our bills this month. So, you know, I just don't know what I have to be thankful for right now. And the sweet wife, you know, she's trying to be an encouragement and think of something that her husband could be thankful for. And she said, she thought for a little while and then she said, well, be thankful you're not one of our creditors. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, they they followed suit. They asked their young son what he could be thankful for. And he looked around at all the food on the table and he said, well, I'm thankful I'm not a turkey. (laughs) See, there's always, always something to be thankful for. That is great. You know, that story actually makes me think of something I heard recently. A woman I know was frustrated uh, with a family member, and so she was venting to an older Christian friend about it. And this friend is just a wise woman, and she listened and didn't interrupt. Uh, But when that woman was done speaking or venting, Mm -hmm. she said, okay, now tell me what you like about this family member. Mm. So it it doesn't change the fact that the person was rude or mistreated her, but— it caused her to pause and focus on the good in that relative rather than what was irritating her. Yep. God changes our hearts and our attitudes when we shift from complaining to thankfulness. Mm -hmm. We experience peace and joy when we obey His commands by living in thankfulness. Proverbs 20, no, sorry, it's Proverbs 12, 20, tells us that God gives joy to those who promote peace. Mm. So you had talked about avoiding worldly or faulty child training methods when it comes to addressing our kids' tongue-related sins. Can you tell us specifically some of those methods we want to avoid? Sure. When children speak offensively or misbehave, uh, you know, parents sometimes are tempted to respond in one of two ways. We either ignore the child, hoping he'll just somehow outgrow it, or we administer some sort of consequence, hoping, as we hear people say, to put the fear of God in him. Mm. But both of these methods are ineffective because they fail to train and instruct. You know, there are occasions, of course, when ignoring our kids may seem more convenient for us because, after all, it does take time to train our children in the way they should go. That's Proverbs 22, 6. But to ignore a child who is in need of correction and guidance is to selfishly place our own interest above the interest and the well-being of the child. Ooh, Ginger, say that again because I was ignoring you. (laughs) (laughs) Of course you were. You're so bad. To ignore a child who is in need of correction and guidance is to selfishly place our own interest above the interest and the well-being of the child. That's good. And then on the other hand, consequences for wrong behavior have their place for sure, but they are not a substitute for training and instructing. Administering consequences without following through with righteous training, well, really, that only teaches kids one thing. 
that there are consequences for sin. And yeah, that's an important lesson, but an even greater lesson is to help them understand that higher calling of living in ways that are pleasing to God Mm -hmm. and bring Him the glory He deserves. Our purpose in disciplining our children is not merely uh, just to teach them to avoid consequences but to train and instruct and encourage them to honor God with their lives. That is so good. All right, Ginger, before I ask you to leave us with a final word of encouragement, let's remind our listeners about our upcoming July episodes and how those will be different. Yeah, I'm really excited about that because of the huge response we've received to the podcast and the influx of listener questions. We have gotten so many of you guys emailing these questions to us, and we're really excited to answer those. Um, So we have decided to take the entire month of July uh, just to answer those questions that you guys are sending in. That's right. We can call it questions in July. It's like Mm -hmm. Christmas in July, Mm -hmm. and the gift is wisdom straight from Ginger to you. No, oh, no, it wasn't from God's word. <laughs> okay. Well, that, yeah. I'm just a vehicle delivering there you the go. word. There you go. But I think we should actually do a giveaway, Ginger, of your resources at the end. What do you say? Oh, yeah, definitely love that idea. Like, On that last episode. Yeah, maybe. yeah. So at the end of July, we'll do a giveaway. I think that would be a great way to end our Q&A month. And I tell you what, I'll do a whole bundle of all of my resources uh, just so we can go out with a bang. That's awesome. Well, listeners, these episodes will be shorter than usual and ad-free, so you can easily listen between trips to the pool or the library, or if you're like me, you can binge listen to our entire catalog of episodes while you're organizing the entire kitchen just for fun. (laughs) Or organizing new spreadsheets on how to organize (laughs) your kitchen before you organize your kitchen. (laughs) That would be more uh, your speed. I know. I'm wild. (laughs) Uh, uh, So again, our entire month of Q&A starts next Monday, July 5th, and then we'll return to our usual format. Okay, Ginger, will you please leave us with a final word of encouragement? Sure. We teach our children to obey when it comes to their struggles with verbal offenses because we're told in Colossians 3.20 that when children obey their parents, it pleases the Lord. And we're told in Deuteronomy 5.16 that when children honor their parents, it goes well with them. So we teach them to obey in every area in their actions and their words for two reasons, because it's to God's glory and it's for their own good. When children live under the authority of their parents, they live under the authority of God's word. And that's a place where God has promised blessing. And isn't that what we all want for our children? God's promises and God's blessings. So may he give us all wisdom as we seek to tame the tongues of our children for his glory. Thank you, Ginger, and thank you listeners for joining us. If you enjoyed our show and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And while you're there, can you leave us a rating or a review? This is a huge help to us to get the word out about our podcast so that other parents can be encouraged to reach the hearts of their children as well. If you have a parenting question, we would love for you to submit it at gingerhubbard.com slash askginger, and we'll do our best to answer it in a future episode. And while you're on the website, you can find our show notes, which will include links to anything we mentioned in today's episode. While you're on gingerhubbard.com, you can find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. So today we're offering her parenting book, I Can't Believe You Just Said That, Biblical Wisdom for Taming Your Child's Tongue at a 10% discount when you use the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com. If you'd like daily encouragement and parenting advice from Ginger, be sure to follow her on Instagram at ginger.hubbard. 
Thank you so much, listeners, for joining us today. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God. Once upon a time, there was a homeschooling mom named Shoparella who had a problem. She loved buying shiny new books, all the books, and she especially loved buying new curricula for her mice. This isn't a perfect analogy, but just hang with me. Unfortunately, she sometimes spent money on books and curricula that just didn't fit. Kind of like trying to shove a glass slipper on her stepsister's janky feet. But what Shoparella really needed was a team of fairy curriculum consultants named Janice, Deanne, Sarah, Gina, Ruth, and Judy. Yes, these are their real names to help her make good curriculum choices. Thankfully, Shoparella found Rainbow Resource Center. Rainbow Resource Center is a family-owned business serving the homeschool community since 1989. Basically, they've been around since uh, Shoparella was very, very young. Even if you don't homeschool, Rainbow Resource Center is a wonderful place to get educational gifts for kids of all ages. You can sort their huge catalog of resources by grade and by subject to get the best educational products for your family. But hurry, because on the stroke of 12, everything will be as it was before, meaning you can get their great prices all day, every day at rainbowresource.com. Again, that's rainbowresource.com and get free shipping on orders over $50 and live happily ever after the delivery truck arrives.